Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm here with Pastor Troy. And I'm here with Josh. Oh, wow. That's significantly less exciting. And we're here to talk about the Bible. So let's do it. Yeah. And this was, you know, we've been lamenting First and Second Chronicles, or at least I have been. But this is actually one of the more intriguing aspects or parts of Second Chronicles as we are moving deeper into the kings of Judah. And uh, moving all the way through, some some really, one of the most dynamic things happens. A woman becomes the leader of Israel, and uh, and that's uh, it wasn't good. I'm just gonna say it didn't turn out great. <laughs> oh. uh, so actually, it was, you have an Old Testament New Testament contrast because you have these women in the New Testament who have this prominent place, and then in the Old Testament, not so good. Uh, but uh, the uh, so Psalms. Where as far as Psalms go, oh, in the Old Testament we also get to Hezekiah, who's one of my favorite yes. kings of Israel, uh, and Sam, favorite book of the Bible. It's the his. book of Hezekiah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I made that joke <laughs> at a like, deacons meeting the other night, and I don't know that anybody caught it. <laughs> yeah, because they said nice. I said I said I'm going to go through Gospel of John on my next Bible study, and then oh no, I got somebody else doing Gospel of John. I'll just do the book of Hezekiah. And nobody, yeah, it was like, nobody was like, like, like okay, it's crickets. Either they've heard it a thousand times and just whatever. Oh, yeah. But uh, so that's we do, that's what we, that was in the Second Chronicles. And then we did Psalm 81 and all the way through Psalm 85, uh, some good parts of the Psalms there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, we finished that up and start in chapter 21. Uh, always nuggets of wisdom. And and the, one of the reasons why we, we said this before, we like this reading plan is because it takes Proverbs and divides it up into little nuggets so that you just get a little piece of it. Like like on one day, we just read one verse. Yeah. And so it, it takes was, longer to turn there than it does to read yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Oh uh, and, um, and then we are in the book of Acts and going through... Paul's missionary journeys, and and so uh, he goes to he has his Areopagus address. In fact, that's probably one of the things I'm going to talk about in my. That's my uh, favorite dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. the Areopagus. That's a really great name for a kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed my opportunity. So, uh, <laughs> I sometimes, good, good, good luck with that. I'm trying to pick. Good luck with Ari. Uh, so anyway, when we come back, we're going to share what we got out of our reading for this week. Hopefully, if you haven't read any of it, that's okay. Come back. We'll tell you what we read. Maybe it'll inspire you to read it yourself. Josh, Troy, here we Dan- go. Daniel. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Bible. We are giving you a summary. Well, not really a summary. What Just struck us what, devotionally. What our vibe was as, from as the we Bible. Were reading reading. the Bible. Because I think when, every time you read the Bible, God's trying to say something to you. And it's good to write down what you think God is saying to you. Yeah. And so we do that. We practice that. And then once a week, we share it with you. We share it with you. <laughs> That's right. So actually, we each have so seven somebody. things we could share. But we're only going to share one. One. Well, two. We'll share a couple of thoughts. Yeah, couple, yeah, couple yeah. Thoughts no. we'll, we'll give you a couple of thoughts. But a lot of times, because we overlap in thought and 
Holy Spirit so yeah. much. Uh, sometimes it comes across more of a, I'm going to bounce off what you said, but really I wrote down something similar. You know, but it's really actually a very rare thing that on each day we choose the choose same passage right. that that struck us. There's it a lot to ha- read. It does happen. But and there's, there's lots of good things that happen. So it's, so, it's, to... so it's not just that one thing is good in each reading each day. It's that yeah. it mm-hmm. hits everybody differently. And the and each year as you do it, if you'll continue yep. to read the Bible, each year it's different. It's the Although, I will share this. There was one time I went back through some old journals thinking this was the first time I'd written it and realized the three years prior I had wrote down the exact same thing about the oh, exact same message. You didn't retain it. I didn't retain yeah, it. You shared that so, not yeah. that long ago. So, yeah. so now I'm saying the same That's thing about really. <laughs> <laughs> You're aging. Uh-oh. Oh, no. It's like, oh, my goodness. Groundhog Day. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, um, yeah. So we're just going to dive in here. Um, Daniel, you start. Yes, so Acts 17 is where I'm going to start us off, and it's when um, Paul and I think Silas, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly, correct. they, um, they're they in this place called Areopagus, which I already made the dinosaur joke about, so I'm not going to do that again, but um, they they go to this place, and they there are all these like altars to these gods, mm-hmm. right, which is just exactly where you want to be serving mm-hmm. for the gospel. Right. There's, um, it's not like here where there's a church on every corner and new ones being planted. It's like the only church is to this other God, right? Mm. So um, there are all these things, and they cover their bases, of course, like good Baptists that they probably, you know, converted and became yeah, Baptists, right. So, right. Uh, as <laughs> most did. Um, they uh, they make it, just to cover their base, they make an altar to an unknown God just mm. to make sure that they, you know, if there's a God out there, they didn't want to offend it. So to mm. the unknown God. So Paul and Silas see this, and they sense an opportunity, and they say, hey, you know this unknown God that you're talking about? Hey, I know this unknown God. Hmm. He is the creator of all, the God of the universe, He's, uh, and, and they get into the gospel. And I just, I'm, every time I read that, I think this is so cool, because that would be a really intimidating theological thing for, I think, some of yeah. us. Like, right. can I take this sinful thing of the world and like use it as a conversation starter for the gospel can i like can i draw any kind of because to me if i was going to draw an analogy between jesus and this totally sinful thing that the culture is doing that would be difficult for me to get wrap my mind around Uh, but what they what they didn't look at it that way they looked at it as this is an opportunity these people already worship this thing Mm -hmm. so um, we're going to shape their already preconceived notions because that's what we do anyway right when we're when we're sharing the gospel we're trying to meet people where they're at mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and where they're at is usually, if they're not a believer, it's never going to be where they need to be, right? right? So we, we meet them where they're already at and meet them in their lie that they've believed mm-hmm. and introduce them to truth through that. And I think, um, and just seeing the way that you know successful evangelists have worked, yeah. um, and I don't mean monetarily successful, I mean like yeah. spiritually successful evangelists have worked, that's really the pattern that they always follow is you you grab them with something that they are already passionate about mm-hmm. and they turn it yeah. into the gospel conversation. So so I think for us as believers trying to pursue the lost, you know, what is the unknown God in our culture um, that they already worship that you, we can take and make obedient to the gospel? And I don't have an answer for that exactly, but I think in, I think it reveals itself in what people talk about and what they spend their money on, um, what they spend their time doing, and whatever that is, there's their idol. So let's take that and 
and use it. Oh, you know, I you know, I'm trying to think of something extemporaneously right now, but um, I'm just gonna mess it up. But but you know how that applies, right? Like if I'm if I'm spending time on my phone, um, I can take I can take my the phone that is my idol right. and um, and work that towards. You know, what, what need is driving my need to be on social media all the time? Do I need to be liked? Do I need to be, um, uh, you know, do I need to know what's going on with everybody? What what need is driving that? And mm-hmm. see how Christ satisfies that need. Um, yeah. And anyway, um, it doesn't have to be a complicated thing for people. I think it's just paying attention and being yeah. available. Well, I, I knew some missionaries who went to a culture and they were trying to find, they were trying to write the Bible in that that group's language mm. and so they Ooh. had to try to define son of god they had to take something that was their god and 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 think that god and within their own culture that god gave birth to a son so it was like they had some concepts so of the wow. word they're using is one that lines up with that yeah. to give this idea and and uh but but Paul was very careful too, also to make sure that he did not that he made sure he defined God mm-hmm. as the Creator, yeah. and also Jesus as being resurrected, yeah. uh, and the one who was going to judge them. Um, and so he didn't compromise or, or, or I mean, he didn't give everything, but it was kind of like I'm giving you enough to see whether you're interested in learning more. Yeah. Um, and and we, um, this is one of those things that was a neat travel moment was when we went to see the Parthenon. Uh, and we were in Athens, and uh, and one of the things you want to go do when you're in Athens is go to see the Parthenon. So we went there, and it's very recognizable. I mean, you see pictures of it all the time. But uh, while we were there, there was this other kind of thing to the side with this thing in Greek, English, and so forth of explaining what this was, and uh, and realized it was Mars Hill. It was, it was the Ariakas. Oh wow! And so uh, so we went up on top of it, mm. and uh, and I, did, I had no, I was not really putting those two things together. Mm. You think of things being spread out right. or far away from each other, but here you are realizing this is a surreal moment. As you go up on the hilltop where they, it's just basically rock left there now, but some excavated ruins. But this is where they would come together and they would discuss so forth. And you can hear, so you're looking at the structure behind you thinking, that was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when Paul was there wow. talking, though, when they were all uh, having these discussions and so forth. So you're in this setting. So I thought this would be really cool to just read this these verses. Because this is because we have Paul's discourse word for word right there, or at least you know most of it. It takes like less than two minutes to right. read or whatever. And so I was reading it, and then uh, I got done and and noticed that as I was reading it, you get people. There were some people who kind of were laughing about it, what I was doing or whatever. And then other, so somebody would stop and listen. But you have because a lot of tourists are there, so they're right. all walking around and and but but the. The bulk of people was disinterest and disdain, and I was like, you kind of feel foolish a little bit for reading it. But then I was reading as I I just read the part in quotations, just what he read, yeah. and then I just stopped. And then you look further and, and you read, oh, they, this is what this is the reaction the Paul reaction. got, same oh, reaction that Paul got when he was there, and it was like, oh wow, it's still this. And and I thought, yeah. you know, it's it we hear these things so often when people, I mean. We think that when Paul spoke, that everybody was just gripped on his every right. word, and that they all were like, but it's like they didn't. Mm. And so we're thinking the reaction we're getting is not the same, mm. but he still did it anyway. Yeah. He still kept preaching, still kept proclaiming. And to think that those words are preserved, even right. when nobody really, res- very few people respond, a few did. But what we think of, we get this Billy Graham idea that yeah. we speak, everybody mm-hmm. gathers around, you got thousands of people paying attention, and hundreds of people come and responds and so forth, and this is glorious moment. Um, but it was really not like that when yeah. they were, but most of the time, 
sometimes he got yelled at and right. sometimes they threw him out. And, uh, and we look for such a positive response from when we share things. And, uh, and the truth is we're, we're not called to get a positive response. Right. We're just called to be faithful right. to share what God gave us to share. So. Well, it's interesting because Paul, Paul even says in one of his letters, like he's not a good speaker. Like people yeah. make fun of him because he's not a good speaker. Like you're probably a better speaker than Paul was. Yeah, I, I really, I have a hard time with that. But yeah, yeah, but it's probably true. I mean, he, yeah. he said he's not. I mean, people that was he was a, better at Greek than me. He was probably better at Greek than you. <laughs> um, but but yeah, when we we expect that yeah. we're this like. That maybe we add something to the in fact, message. And, and he's drawing point. He's drawing that conclusion that they that they sought better speakers, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, with a much more shallow message. Right. And Paul just kind of condemned him for that. You're looking for these super apostles, and mm-hmm. and and then makes self deprecates himself, like saying, "I'm just a lowly Paul. You know, I'm just a guy who founded the church <laughs> right. in this area." Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, that was a. But it. But going along with what you said, it was a. Uh, he put it in the context of the people that he said, but that didn't mean that he got the response that we would expect him to get. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not, uh, don't judge that you're doing the right or wrong thing by the response of the people, Yeah. Just, but put it into the perspective that uh, God wants you to. D- give, give everyone the best opportunity to respond. Yeah. That's good. That's cool. Uh, oh, it's me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm in Acts 18. Um, and Continuing in Acts. Which is yes. right after this, by which the way. Right after yeah. this, yes. And um, so we're introduced a little bit right before this to these people named Priscilla and Aquila. Hmm. Um, and we're kind of following them real quick in these few verses. Um, and they uh, interact with a guy named Apollos. And Apollos, the scripture says, is that he was enthusiastic in his spirit, and he preached with accuracy. However, he was preaching about John's baptism, which um, they go on to talk about a little bit more, which is my next point, which is kind of cool. But anyway, but um, so he's preaching enthusiastically and accurate, which is really cool. However, um, he was kind of unaware of the message of Christ, mm. of, of like who he is and, and how we can put our faith in him and all this kind of stuff. So um, this verse, every time I read it, it's just so just a great reminder for me because it's so countercultural to what uh, our world does. And it says this, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Mm. And that is so counterculture. And if we can think of, I mean, honestly, anything that I can think of with 2020 is even beyond COVID and whatever was just this massive cancel culture around everything. Um, and just always angry about something because someone is not informed in this way. And it's, they're so angry and so affected by it, but look at the humility and the grace and the just like love from Priscilla and Aquila because of their love of God and their love of people and uh, their love of them wanting to understand the gospel even more. And so uh, it's just so cool. Like Priscilla and Aquila could have been very angry. They could have, you know, acted like the Pharisees. Look at the ignorance of this fool. Yeah, Yeah. right. But he was unaware, so he didn't know. And so Priscilla and Aquila graciously and lovingly, like, took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. And that is just so, so beautiful. Um, and the reason they did that is so that even because he is so enthusiastic and he's so accurate that 
now he can, you know, teach more about the word of God, mm-hmm. um, furthering the kingdom, um, just like we've been called to do. And I, I just love that because in ministry, you know, as people who want to defend the Bible, we get so angry and it's like, okay, look at what Priscilla and Aquila did. It was yeah. so sweet and kind and gentle. And so anyway. some people think Apollos wrote Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I guess it's my turn. My yes. turn, my turn. Um, I'm going to, since you guys are doing um, Acts, I'm going to back up a little bit from what Daniel was sharing uh, in Acts chapter 17. And in verse 4, it says, And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Uh, this is kind of a falls in line with what you were saying about Priscilla too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then verses 11 and 12, it says, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. And I just found it interesting that twice here in the same chapter that Luke highlights yeah. that there are women who are in leadership roles in the community uh, that are then that come into uh, the church. And and it really is, even if you look at the world around us, I remember when we went to Bangladesh, it was really astounding how women were in, their national leader is a woman. And how uh, there are so many places where women... Uh, serve in, in places of leadership and prominence and so forth. Uh, there, and then you begin to come back here and you, and you do see that there, there is this thing. And I know that uh, there's this big argument and debate over complementarianism versus egalitarianism. And I just want to say, first of all, I am firmly a complementarian when it comes to my interpretation of the word and understanding of scripture. I do believe that the husband is the head of his home, that he's a spiritual leader of his household. Absolutely emphatically believe that's what God's word teaches. But at the same time, I do believe that we are guilty of trying to suppress women from fulfilling their um, God-given place and, and gifts and leadership roles and, and, and things of this nature. And I think one of the things that kind of has bled through in the teaching is that men have authority over women. And that is a that is not it's a logical fallacy mm-hmm. uh, in our look at God's word. God's word, I believe, He is saying that that the uh, that men have been entrusted with being the spiritual leader of their homes, and then also with the spiritual leadership of the church. Mm-hmm. But understand, there are just as many men who are not qualified to be the spiritual leader of the right. church as there are women. Right. <laughs> and so it's not that all men are then for or authority over women. Mm-hmm. It's that. Uh, no, I my my wife has entrusted me, has submitted to my leadership, uh, and also if I wasn't, uh, if I'm not the spiritual leader of my home, if I'm not even a follower of Jesus Christ, then my wife has to be the spiritual leader of the home. It's entrusted to her, right. and she's, you know, commanded to remain faithful and so forth. And and many times it is because there is no men, there are no men who are spiritually qualified to rise up to that position that women have had to fill that role. It's not God's ideal, but it just, it happens by necessity. Uh, and, and, but we've, I think we've given this, uh, it goes along with, I think that type of discrimination kind of falls in line with racism within the church mm-hmm. today too. Yep. Uh, there's a mindset that I am better or we are superior to other people. And 
and and and I I get it that because the world has championed this, but they were dealing with the same problem at that at back in that time, because you had a lot of cultic practices, you had a lot of of uh, gender issues uh, in in the time when Paul was in the church, which is why he's writing the letters he's writing with clarity to say, hey, this may be the way they operate in the right. temple, uh, and these you know you have these uh, women who are really abusive of uh, in idolatry and in temple prostitution and all types of different issues and so forth. And so he's having to be very distinct about, but that doesn't change the fact that women were still celebrated within the church, that Jesus still celebrated women uh, who were serving in ministry and they were uh, lifted up and praised Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and so forth. I I think that, uh, that not only that, but to, but to see that uh, there is a, uh, there is this movement within, um, within the church in the early days is, is to teach this, the idea that we are mutually submissive. Uh, that's one of the things in Ephesians 5 when people point out that he calls women to be submissive to their husbands. For one thing, it doesn't mean submission and obedience are not the same thing. He's not saying women obey your husbands. He's saying wives submit to your husbands. Right. And he's only following up on a principle that he just laid out earlier, that we are all right. supposed to submit to one, yeah, another. to one another. And it's like, for example... How wives are in submission to their husbands yeah. in the home, um, but but that means we are all in submission to one another within the church, and that just means me humbling myself to yeah. where I say I'm going to esteem you as uh, and listen to what you are having to, to what people in the church are saying, to hear what God is saying, uh, understand that you may absolutely have um, a word from the Lord for me, meaning when we admonish one another and, and when you see me going astray and when you see me doing something that's not biblical, you have every right to speak that into my life. And I need to submit myself to that. Yeah. When you are, when you are heralding the word and I'm not heralding the word and I hear the word coming from you, I need to submit myself to that yeah. and so forth. I, I, and when, and when people get, and you can see it when they get their backs up and they get that rigidity of, yeah. I'm going to, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do kind of thing. It's like, well, then you, you've just demonstrated you are yeah. not in Christ. You right. don't possess his spirit. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I think that there is, uh, when we go back through and reread it, I just, I see sometimes we grow up in a culture of this is right and we're taught this is the way it's supposed yeah. to be without actually looking and seeing what the word is actually saying. Mm-hmm. And and instantly people come at you and try to combat you and saying, well, you're just trying to compromise mm-hmm. the word. And yeah. it's like, mm, I think you have compromised the word. Right. And now you are and trying to defend trying yourself. To defend yourself. Yeah. 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 I think we have such a problem with the idea of being the least, you know, he says, be the least of these. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus says over and over, not only are you blessed, but like you're called to be the lowest of, right. of society. And yet when, you know, somebody uh, wants something from us, no, no, it's our, yeah. you know, we're supposed to be, you know, we, we Bible it all the time. We Bible yeah. it up all the time, defending my own personal rights or my own personal well-being and at the expense of other people. Right. And, yeah. And I think what people don't realize, like in terms of, you know, we talk about like social justice, right? And um, what people don't realize is that like money is finite. So if we're going to take care of poor people, you know, they they do keep printing money, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's not it's not enough, to, you know, mm-hmm. to to just say that oh, you just print more. Obviously, everyone knows how that works. But mm-hmm. if if this poorer person is going to be brought up, so if I'm going to mm-hmm. if if they're going to be brought out of poverty, which is something that is desirable. You know, Jesus says, right. give your money to the poor, right? right. Um, 
poverty is not God's plan. We we romanticize poverty, I think, right. in the church. But um, if they're going to be brought up, that means the the economic status that they will achieve in that will come out of somebody else's pocket, right. coming out of my pocket. Means we have to come down. Means we have to yeah. come down yeah. because mm-hmm. money is finite. There's not. Right. It's not like they just get more and everyone keeps what they have. Right. And that's the way with everything. If somebody else is to be raised up, then I need to come down. And that's right. what Jesus is saying. His people will routinely do is make right. themselves lower and make other people higher. And that's for the promise of a king of kingdom elevation. Right. You know, yeah. that's you. It's not for nothing. Yeah. And we stand against things like that because we're like, well, that's socialism and we're capitalists. It's mm-hmm. like I'm not a capitalist. Not a capitalist. I'm a follower of Jesus right. Christ. I'm a kingdomist. Yeah, that's right. And and so it's like I I'm not trying to promote any I, I see the value of capitalism more so than I see the value I of socialism. I'm not promoting socialism. From, from exactly, exactly. I'm not promoting socialism or communism obviously. Right. And but at the same I'm just saying we we tend to uh, obviously throw out the baby with the bathwater but we do that. We tend to say I'm because well, you sound like a socialist, right? Yeah. In that way. And you know, we, you were talking about cancel culture earlier. I'm just trying to point out that cancel culture has been alive in the church for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know how yeah. long I didn't shop at Target yeah. or go to Disney World <laughs> right. or do all those things because yeah. they give money to certain organizations, like they do something I disagree with. Yeah. We've been boycotting things forever. Yeah. We just don't like we, when the world does it. And we boycott each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We boycott each other. Yeah. Yeah. This theologian is no good, right. so I'm not gonna. If you read them, then they must not. You must not be like me right yeah. so yeah anyway okay. yeah, anyway so, that's right. good that's good we could talk on that for yeah. <laughs> a few other podcasts our next podcast no yeah <laughs> you're next daniel um, as, okay yeah i kind of lost track of who's who's going when okay uh second chronicles 25 it's one of those kings every king has a lesson to learn i feel like it's like it's like proverbs expanded in a story form so i, I kind of like when we start getting into what the kings did because some of them a lot of them did the bad thing and in in kings you're reading more about like israel's kings and it focuses on like the bad stuff they did and chronicles has a little bit more hope in it it focuses a little bit more on judah uh, but still you got people doing some real dumb stuff but they're always also a little relatable stuff so you've got this king called amaziah am i saying that one right amaziah no just amaziah amaziah i don't know which one you were talking about it's just a a-m-a-z-i-a yeah that's right that's correct amaziah it's see that seems too easy to me yeah um he assembles this army, and um, he wants to go fight against these people, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he has, it's 100 talents of silver. So that's 100 years' wages, if I'm not mistaken, that he promises to this army. And um, not each person, but, you know, he splits up 100 years' wages between 7,500 7, people. That's a lot of money. And um, then man of God comes and says, hey, uh, you can go to war if you want, but you're going to lose and you need mm-hmm. to send them all home. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually gives them the option. He says, you may go do this. It's it's interesting that he says, you can do this, but you're going to lose. Mm. You're, a bunch of people are going to die, and the Lord will not be with you. But you can if you want. Right. It's, it's interesting. And so he uh, he goes. He, or he, uh, he goes and he says, you know what? Okay. What am I? But he says, what am I going to do with all this money um, that, I've, that I'm going to lose? Mm. Um, and he, he says, uh, the line is, I'm going to try to not butcher this. Oh, he says, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Mm. So it's it's kind of calling Amaziah out on like where his allegiances are. You know, the in the intro to Amaziah's reign, it says that he loved the Lord, but not with his whole heart. And so then he goes and he finds some idols, and um, from this other. So 
wars and wars and wars. All this battle happening within just a couple verses of each other. And he fi- he defeats this other group of people. And um, he takes their gods and their idols in and starts worshiping him, worshiping them himself. And God comes to him and he says, look, man, those gods didn't save the people who were worshiping them. Mm-hmm. Your God saved you. Right. So why are you, why are you doing that? And I think that's so true of people you know yeah. we we get comfortable in that you know we go through seasons in, sp- in our spiritual life where we're really strong with the lord and we're really doing what he says and he blesses our efforts right and he's mm-hmm. with us and it's a wonderful thing and um then we get comfortable in that and we stop realizing what it was that won us the victory in the past mm-hmm. and then we go and we kind of start doing things on our own and start serving other things and and God comes around eventually, and He's like, "Look, man, you, you don't—you clearly don't have a concept of what got you the victory in the past. Right. Uh, you think it was you, it is not you. And oftentimes, it takes—it takes a harsh lesson to kind of zap us back into reality. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. for the for the believer, it's it's hard, and it's hard to get to that point where you're like, I've I've gotten ninety percent of the way through this process, and then God says, change directions." And you're like, uh, <laughs> but I have, I've committed all this money. Right. I've committed all this time and effort and all these people are going to think this thing. And, mm-hmm. and he says, and if, and God's like, okay, do what you want. <laughs> but just so you know, it's not what I have for you. Yeah. And then you have to make a decision. And thankfully for Amaziah, he made the good decision there, but it caught, co- it did cost him a lot because he got away from what God was yeah was wanting for him. And so yeah. I think there's lessons to be learned for us in that. Yeah. I wish I had learned that lesson from him and not from the own experience oh, I know. of doing the exact same thing. That in, he did. in the, yeah. in the thick of it, you're like, like I've got situations in my life, right. Where like, where you get to a point and you're like, if God told me to stop it right now, would I, would yeah. I, am I even paying attention? I'm so anymore? deeply invested yeah. in this. Yeah. I, he led me this far. I have confidence. Maybe he led me this far, but if he told me to turn around, would I even be looking for that? Yeah. Am I am I so confident that I'm doing what he wants at this point yeah. that I'm not even asking? Oh, I've I've lived it and got to that point and said can't stop, got to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then it's humiliating. It's like God's like, "Well, okay, now you, okay. It's, you're still not going to get the result you want yeah. and it's going to be utterly humiliating." That was a faith test and you just and, failed it. And you and you go back and you think if I'd stopped when he showed me to stop, then then there is no humiliation in that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I I just would have not you know, it just would have been what you would have felt would have been a wasted effort. Right. But then you're like, no, I can I can press through this, and I'm still going to get to this. End. We fool ourselves in believing we're going to get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think when I hear that also about uh, about as far as following the gods of the people who defeated you, I always get this picture of being uh, an attorney of a, a struggling law firm, and you and you you know you pull together and and do all these things, and you beat this huge company or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're so impressed by you, they come over and offer you a job afterwards, and you're like. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to go to work for the firm that I just yeah, defeated. Lo- yeah, yeah. Lost. <laughs> yeah they, and uh, so it's like the uh, it's, so you have this. Uh, we're drawn to that. We, money is the biggest thing. It's, I mean, yeah, it's money. We've been shown that money over and over again doesn't solve our problems. And and you can look and say, uh, we'll, we'll you know celebrities and so forth. We'll say over and over again. We'll see their wrecked uh, the yeah. wrecked life to someone a celebrity, and we will. Um, We'll think in our own life uh, how much I'm so much great, more grateful for my family. And then mm-hmm. when you're offered that celebrity right. status, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, I want that. Absolutely, and, yes. Yeah, but and then lose everything we have. That and then we, yeah, repeat the same mistake. Mm. So good word. So hard to live in that. So anyway, Josh, man, 
Yes. Oh, yeah. I totally wasn't paying attention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Acts 19. I'm back in Acts. Acts is really just really awesome these past few weeks. Mm. But um, Acts 19, 1 through 5. Um, I'm just going to read it real quick. But it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Um, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe he asked them? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Um, and just pause there for a second. Like that itself, like I just, I can't imagine that. Like we grew up, Holy Spirit, like he's there. He's your helper. He's with you. Like so yeah. awesome. You get him pretty he, instantaneously. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like, these people don't even know there's a Holy Spirit. You know, mm. I mean, there's nothing, they didn't have a, you know, dove that went out with this message, you know, all around. It was just Right. And and that's what, you know, Paul and them are doing. They're going to tell people about the good news and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Um, but they had no idea that there was this Holy Spirit. And so um, so it keeps going. It says, then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. Mm. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. And it, like that is just such a wild moment for us to like look back and like see the Holy Spirit coming on people in the book of Acts. Like for the first time, they were completely unaware of him. And then look, they they pray, they baptize them in in Jesus's name and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they begin speaking in tongues and prophesying and in it is just something that is like so beautiful and just like I'm sure to them was so shocking like they weren't expecting this to happen and it was just like wow it was just kind of one of those moments it's like I don't really have much else to say it was just like one of those wow moments like this is such a cool part of scripture that we like don't get to experience. Like we didn't understand yeah. that a time without the Holy Spirit. Like yeah. and these people, we don't know how old they were or anything, but like years maybe or months or days or whatever, but they just didn't have it. And now they do. And mm. like that is just so crazy to me. And I think so often that we just like don't think of the Holy Spirit in like westernized civil, civil, civilization. And I think that we just don't even realize the incredible power that, that he has and that he is within us and, you know, and it was just a really cool moment reading it. Yeah. And one of the things to also draw out of that is that uh, there's never a separation, though, of the gospel of Christ. Uh, the, the key thing is there's a, in, they ask the question into then who were you ba- basically mm-hmm. whose name were you baptized right. in and uh, into whose baptism are you part of? Meaning. Uh, this is a kind of a practice of if we're going to be following after this person, following after this teaching, following mm-hmm. this disciple, this path of discipleship, and using baptism as a means of this, which is what yeah. John was doing. John was baptizing his disciples right. and talking about and and, and the, a way of life mm-hmm. yeah. um, and uh, on a path of repentance. So, but when Jesus comes, he introduces. But the so the only element that's missing here is the faith in Christ, yeah. is just the belief in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not a, uh, it's that we, we believe that we need to be better people mm-hmm. uh, and prepare our hearts in ways for the coming of Christ. That was that was John's baptism. 
but uh, but then they are shown. No, you need to put your you need to right. put your the Christ has come. Mm-hmm. You need to put your faith in Him and be baptized in Him, and then the Holy Spirit comes with Him. Yeah. And so the so it's not a separate uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It is a once uh, it is con- it is always connected with our faith right. in Jesus Christ. So I, I believe in Christ and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with our faith in Christ. Yeah, sweet, awesome. Okay, my last thing is uh, from Second uh, Chronicles. Uh, it says um, also Jehoshaphat, and I do love just the name Jehoshaphat. How fat love, is yeah, he? Yeah. Uh, also Jehoshaphat, he's so fat. Uh, also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, "Please inquire for the word of the Lord today." Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, uh, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Uh, now this is a little backstory here. Jehoshaphat's child has married Ahab's child, and so to form a kind of a treaty between Judah and Israel. Now Jeho- Jehoshaphat's a godly king, and following after God... But here's a massive Achilles heel is that his child has been he's formed this treaty with Israel and and he's rebuked uh, as he leaves. Uh, He goes into war with Ahab. Ahab winds up getting killed in battle. Uh, Jehoshaphat is spared, but he goes back, but he's rebuked. Uh, by the prophets because he is uh, he's like why are you why are you helping the wicked uh, to uh, to win this war but but in this particular thing uh, he goes and he I, I kind of get this picture in my head of when you have a non-christian friend or you have a, a friend who is raised Christian mm-hmm. and but they're not but they've completely they married somebody who is not a Christian or they've completely sold themselves into this. And they're, you're like, hey, let's pray before the meal and or something like that. And they get this look like, oh, yeah, I forget you're religious. And so, yeah, I guess we need to do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you say, you know, and, and then you try to get or you, or you say, hey, you know, we shouldn't be doing this or whatever. Yeah. And they're trying to think of, OK, yeah, I guess I need to appease you because you're religious. And so so it's really he's not really even. Uh, but one of the things I went back to look here, because I thought it was interesting, is the 400, these 400 prophets, I went back to see where Elijah had this battle between, and there were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And after he had this challenge on Mount uh, uh, Carmel, uh, he killed the 450 prophets of Baal, but it doesn't say he killed the 400 prophets of Asherah. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking... That's who these guys probably are. Is these are probably wow. these 400 pagan prophets that he's brought up. So he's just basically bringing up all his pagan prophets that he has, who just say what he wants to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, but but there's something that rings in this that goes beyond it. That he wasn't just necessarily this pagan uh, that he loved Asherah or he loved Baal or whatever. It sounds like he's he's really just. Irreligious, mm-hmm. meaning he's. Yeah. It's like I don't really care what the gods say. I don't really care what the prophets say, and so forth. Because you can just tell in the way he's responding to. It's like he's not even thinking to get a prophetic word. Right. It's not like he's going, well, let's consult Asherah or let's consult you know these false gods or whatever. He's like, I, yeah, that's kind of a goofy thing anyway. Right. But it's something we do. Makes my wife happy uh, yeah. when your <laughs> wife's Jezebel, and uh, <laughs> and so and so he's just he's just doing it. Uh, and uh, and now it's like you're religious. Well, I'm religious too. So here's my guys. Yeah. And and Jehoshaphat calls him on it. He's like, Come on, dude. You know better than this. You know this is a bunch of 
this is stupid. You know, these things yeah. aren't real. Do you have a real prophet? Because and the because the revelation comes in him saying, oh yeah, I got a real prophet. Yeah. But I don't. He never. I hate him. I, hate him. Yeah. I never like what he has to yeah. say. And you can hear this in conversations right. I've had with people. It's like, oh yeah, I got a preacher. Or yeah, I've been to church. Yep. Never. So I. Why do you? Why don't you go to church? Because he never says anything good. He's always stepping on my toes. Always on Father's Day. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so, so in this discourse, he's like, "Okay, go ahead, call him up, bring him up." And he does come, and he does indeed. Mm -hmm. And the other guys say, "Hey, look, we've already said everything he wants to hear. Why don't you just get on board with the program?" And uh, and so Micaiah comes in, and it's like. um, all right, yeah, whatever, whatever they yeah, said, did it, yeah, yeah. You know, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be glorious. He said, you know, I'm gonna make you swear, you know, on your mother's grave that you're not lying to me. Right. And, uh, and he's like, and then it's like, well, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna know what I saw? <laughs> you wanna know what it is? <laughs> you're gonna, uh, you're, you're dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, uh, and then, it, and then I, and then he goes to this whole vision of I saw us, you know, the scene in heaven where yeah. he's asking who will go in live for, uh, right. and the demons, you know, are like, I will do it. I'll do yeah, it. I'll do it. And uh, and so basically he's saying these four hundred prophets are prophets of demons, which they are. Uh, and and so it's it's just this powerful moment of. Of just you can see that th- that's the world in which we live. Yeah. We have this demonic realm that is empowering and lying and deceiving, saying what these people want to hear, yeah. and they're absolutely convinced by eating it, it up. Eating it up. Yeah. You know, you hear what you want to hear, but but in reality, there's a lot of people who just don't even care. Yeah. It's like I just yeah. I just want I want Nabal's vineyard. I want what I want. I'll do what I got to get to get it. I just want to be wealthy, enjoy wealth, enjoy all the materialism of life, and so forth. And, um, and, and, and the, and the thing is, is all Jehoshaphat does is he gets him killed. (laughs) That's all he accomplishes in the entire endeavor. Mm -hmm. He try he goes and tries to play in the enemy's realm. And it's like, you, you're not even supposed to have this relationship. You're not supposed to be in this. Uh, and, and you didn't do him any good at all. Didn't do you any good. Didn't do him any good. And, uh, and, and there was a price to pay. In fact, it passed on to his children. So anyway, that's all I got. So let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll do some questions. All right. Question answer segment. Um, Before you guys ask your questions, oh, okay. let me Whoa. do mine so I don't forget. <laughs> so I don't, so I don't forget. <laughs> the, the question that, again, that you should have asked, but you didn't. Uh, we should make that a whole segment. You don't know. Questions you should have asked, but you didn't. Um, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, in our reading this week, we talk about uh, Jehoahaz and uh, Ahaziah. And um, also, uh, who are the same person, and Jehoram and Joram, which are the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we, because we, we alluded to this last week's podcast as well, um, the words actually are in Jehoahaz. I, I was thinking the Yeho and uh, and Ahaz are. When you look at Hebrew, there's always a prefix thing. So if you take mm-hmm. Ahaziah, the Ahaz is short for Ahaziah and Jehoahaz. Um, so uh-huh. what's the word? The actually, the, it is the same name exactly, but one is just uh, putting the word for it's Yahweh at the beginning, and uh-huh. and I A H is shortened for Yahweh at the end, and so it's basically hmm. Yah and Yah, and so like Jehovah, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. As, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Got it. And so, uh, so that's at the beginning. So when you take Jehoram, so, which means uh, the God, uphold, God upholds uh, is Ahaziah, what it means. Uh, Ahaz meaning upholds mm. and, um, or holds. And, um, and then Jehoram, uh, the Ram, means uh, exalted. Yeah. Uh, but an interesting little note is that Jehoram, Ahaziah's mother, uh, Jehoram, Jehoram was married to the woman who gave birth to Ahaziah, or, and her name was Athaliah. She's the one who became, uh, when Jehoram was, died, Athaliah's son, Ahaziah, became king. He died, and then she took reign oh, yeah. uh, for six years until a child that was Ahaziah's sister, or Jehoram's sister, I think, son, but Jehoiada's was a priest son. Anyway, they hid him away in the temple, uh, but it was his sister's child because they killed all the other heirs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, and so when so when her son died, there were no other heirs. She thought, and so um, so she maintained the uh, the control for six years until the the baby grew up old enough to reign. And so uh, anyway, Athaliah's name also means in the feminine form, God is exalted. So she actually had the same name as her husband. Um, just the girly just, form. Just the girly form of it, which I thought was interesting. But here's what's crazy. Neither of them exalted God. Um, and so um, there is an alternative meaning of that and that God has cast out, uh, which uh, is uh, for her name. It's uh, God, who God has been cruel to or whatever. And so, yeah. So anyway. Fun fact. Yeah. I didn't follow any of that. I have no idea what you said. <laughs> And uh, praise God, God is exalted. There is a lot yeah, of I God, is, God is exalted. That's what I got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were talking, but and I was like, they, but they had names. I mean, but they all had they all had names with Yahweh in the title, but yeah. none of them were yeah. followers of Yahweh. So, yeah, so. Wow. Yeah. What's what's in a name? What's in a name? Yeah. Anyway. All right. What's your question? Questions. Uh, Daniel, why don't you go first? Because oh, okay. we just exited Acts, so let's. Yeah. Um, so in Acts, so earlier in the podcast, if you skip forward to the question and answer segment, you're going to want to rewind. Um, but we were talking about how um, the Holy Spirit hadn't come on these 12 people because they um, had only been baptized in the name of John the Baptizer. And um, they, when they were baptized in the name of Jesus and laid hands on him, then the Holy Spirit came at that point. So we, we explained that, Troy explained that, because mm-hmm. um, they had, hadn't been baptized in the name of Jesus. But in Acts 8, my question is, in, um, starting in verse 14, it says, When the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had welcomed God's message, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them, so that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit. For he, capital H, had not yet come down on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm. So these people had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were believers, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. So that's my question. Well, very good question. Because in Acts, actually, you have in Acts chapter 2, you have an entire group of people who were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus who uh-huh. had not received the Holy Spirit yet, yet yeah. received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And what Luke is doing as he unfolds Acts 2, each time they go to a different section when he says that my, the word, you're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, earth. 
as he works through the book of Acts, each time he goes to each oh. of those different regions, he shows a it's place. It's a special moment where the Holy it, Spirit there, comes. There are actually four Pentecost whoa, moments whoa. Uh, where the Holy Spirit comes in each of these different areas. It was imperative for the apostles to be there so that they could see, ah, the Holy yeah, Spirit is now coming yeah. to the Samaritans. So as he's wow. first is to us here in Jerusalem, then it's to us in Judea, and then wow. you see it in Samaria, and then you see it, and then to the Gentiles is the last one. That's the cool. difference is in that last passage, because those are the only instances you have uh, a example of the, of the Holy Spirit being given, and, and there you have in Corinth, the difference is, is that they had been baptized in, in yeah. John and so received uh, once oh. they received Christ, they received the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. so without knowing that, I w- can understand how some traditions would have this whole laying on of hands, importance second, uh, and kind of a second blessing kind of thing, down. right? Um, wow. Yeah, but that makes that's so cool. When you, I, and that's what you know, that's why I think it's so important to kind of, uh, to, I mean, to really to understand Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> what a neat name for a podcast um, is to is to go back through the word. Yeah, to go back through the word and look and and say what was God trying to communicate yeah. here. And so when you see Luke laying out to Theophilus in the beginning, right. saying, here, I'm trying to tell you how this mm-hmm. unfolded, then it makes more sense that yeah. he's he's sharing a specific instance where this happened to show proof mm. that the yeah. Holy Spirit is wow. the witness that's going wow. on. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Hmm. Answer accepted. <laughs> Let's move right along. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we haven't been in Proverbs, I mean, for a long time. Yeah, so long. I'm yeah. hopping to it. Um, and I'm... Oh quite confused um and so uh here's a little nugget of wisdom that i have no idea what it's saying so um it's in proverbs 20 verse 30 and it says blows that wound cleanse away evil strokes make clean the innermost parts and another one just said like physical wounds cleanse evil and it heals all this kind of stuff and i um, Thoroughly, just a little. This is one curious. of those. Mm, <laughs> you're gonna have our time with this one, um, because it's actually uh, more wisdom about corporal punishment. It is about how um, when we discipline through physical pain, mm-hmm. uh, that it does indeed purge away evil. And it does indeed cleanse the innermost parts. He's just talking about the wisdom of corporal punishment. And uh, and we have other proverbs that will demonstrate it's much more effective in children than for fools. Uh, and so the foolish um, are the ones who corporal punishment doesn't work on. And, uh, and so it's kind of uh, – and I think the foolish are the ones who do away with it. Um, it's not – I think the the harsh part we have is that, uh, that it is – when you have – punishment, physical pain, pain that is used, uh, we've seen, we look at it as abuse. Yeah. Abuse is when you are not trying to correct someone mm-hmm. uh, or, and to, to, you know, not provoking that person to wrath, but using it as a means in order to teach that person correction mm-hmm. to keep them from going away. I, you know, I just liken it to you see a child reaching for hot stove and you slap yeah. their hand, right. knowing that the pain of the slap is minor and will go away. The pain of the burn, it could be permanent, mm-hmm. uh, long-lasting. A child getting ready to yeah. jump out in the street to grab them by the arm, and you may grab tight and bruise their arm yeah. by grabbing it, but that is better than them dying in the mm-hmm. car, uh, in a car accident. So, you know, it's, it's, it's using, there's wisdom in this, and, right. and I think that... Uh, again, we 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 overreact, and yeah. and I agree. There are people 
who have a weakness for abuse who do not need to use corporal punishment because they cannot restrain themselves right. and so forth. But uh, but to remove that from society and say society is better for not having it, I, I don't think that's true. I think society is better with it. I think that, that uh, by having a system of, I mean, I, there was a, there was a while back where this, somebody was in, uh, I think it was Singapore or something, this kid who had, uh, he had uh, done uh, defaced property or whatever. And the punishment was a caning, a public caning where they just took me with a bamboo rod in public, you know, which is humiliating. But at yeah. the same time, but I'm going to say this, I would just say this and you take it good or bad. I bet they don't have a lot of people defacing uh, public property. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, I was like, I sure wouldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to go through that. Right. Uh, and so I think that's, and that's all he's saying right. here, you know, and, and you can take, you know, again, the wisdom of the word, mm-hmm. take it or leave it, right. but it is the wisdom of the word. And here's what I know. I know that um, Jesus said, it's better to cut your hand off, better right. to pluck your eye out. Mm-hmm. And to face eternity in hell, he's like, just use some common sense. He said that it's better for you to have a little bit of pain here to defer you from um, uh, from doing something that's really, really, really going to hurt you. And I think good parenting is understanding what it takes for your child to be, de- right. you know, mm-hmm. I think you basically up the ante. Uh, I think uh, James Dobson, here's just a, a wish something that could come back again is Dr. Dobson was kind of really who guided us and directed us in raising our children. And I know there's a big thing right now about gentle parenting. So here's my little soapbox moment. (laughs) Um, Because we were taught uh, when our children were young about, they even sold them a little metal strap or plastic strap that, you know, when, when you spanked them on the upper thigh, didn't leave a mark, didn't bruise or whatever, but man, it stung like fire, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was enough. And with our children growing up, this is the illustration he gave. He said, when you go to the circus and you see an elephant, these giant elephants, they have one rope yep. tied around their leg. And you're like, that elephant could snap that rope just mm-hmm. like that. So why don't they? Well, then you go down further and you see a baby elephant with these huge chains mm-hmm. wrapped around his leg. And what it is you're breaking, and we have this thing about we don't like to break a child's spirit or whatever, but you're teaching a child uh, that uh, to respect authority for one thing, but also that uh, to restrain that self-control. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so when you, when you, and you, there is something about taming our spirit that is important. You yeah. don't tame that spirit, yeah. then you will wind up in hell. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, th- and we learned from that. And so it was like, so when our children were very young, we, I think it was, uh, I was the disciplinarian of our home because I, because I could be very controlled. I'm not a very emotional guy and so forth. So I was, because that's what he said. You should have the emotions of, like when a police officer, he always used the example of a police officer pulling you over and he comes to your window and so forth. And he doesn't go, why were you speeding? You know, and, and yeah. whining and so forth. He just comes and says, Mr. You're like, he says, he's, it's the only situation where he punishes you and you thank him for it. Right. Uh, and uh, when he hands you the ticket. But the, uh, and he said, that's how we need to be as a parent. Yeah. It's like, here was the here were the guidelines we set. You broke the guidelines. Here was the punishment we told yeah. you was going to come, and now here is the punishment uh, that we're going to do. And if you don't, and if you will just simply follow these guidelines that we as your parents have laid down, these boundaries that are for your protection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and with our kids, we even had them agree. Do yeah. you agree that this is good? And they would agree. You're right. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing these things. These things would be bad for me. And so, yes, this is, and so this is, so we made sure it was clear. So when they broke it, we're just reminding them, you've already, you agreed to this. Yeah. You knew that it was, mm-hmm. and I'm just, falling through with what we said and it was uh and it's hard it's yeah. hard to carry that through yeah. because nobody likes to see their children cry um but um and the the easy way is just to give them what they want 
and yeah. let them do yeah. what they want, and then you don't have to hear them cry anymore. Right. right. And then and then they but they there's no learning in that. And that's right. what he's saying. He's saying it purges away evil, it cleanses the innermost yeah. parts mm-hmm. and so forth. So it's it's not I'm not saying that corporal punishment is um right in every situation, right. but it is it is not the it is not evil if it is used uh, for love. God uses corporal punishment. Yeah. So I, I just think when we imitate him, but he does it in a way that's for our best, for his glory, in and fact, so forth. When yeah. God punished his son, yeah. there was blood and there was forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So, Ooh, good call. Hey, yeah. Let me just point it real quick. I just was thinking about this as you were talking. It's just like, it's so um, important to ask questions about the Bible mm-hmm. uh, and to talk to people who are wiser than you. I'm just saying this for everybody, including myself, because sometimes it's hard to separate human morale that the culture has told us mm. from what scripture says like and so mm. we come in with preconceived notions of like beating children is bad you know and it's like yeah. well yes yeah. that is correct <laughs> but, <I> agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and so then you read the bible and you're like it just said it just said beat your children yeah. 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 yeah yeah and it's like yeah that is bad and so yeah. you, you can't see past that and so everyone who's listening like it's okay to ask questions about the bible if you don't understand and if it just doesn't make sense because it's sometimes it's hard to zoom out and see okay, I need to get out of human real quick and I need yeah. to get away from what culture is saying and get away from the context of where I'm living and how I'm living and see what it's actually saying. So just don't be afraid to ask people questions yeah. and talk to people who are wiser than you. And I, I think that uh, we have a... Um, it, the, the biggest thing is, for one thing, the word beating means something to us mm-hmm. in our culture yeah. that's extremely negative. Right. They didn't know how we were going to see that when they were right. when those words when were being, right. when they were exactly. when those words were being written. Uh, so it's like you have to understand what is mm-hmm. what are we actually talking about. Here? Yeah. The other thing is, understand the world believes people are fundamentally good. Yeah. And if you start with that premise, you're going to come to a lot different conclusion. Yeah. We yeah. believe that people are fundamentally bad, mm-hmm. and they have to be given goodness mm-hmm. uh, as grace. And so if you come from that premise. Well then, it, it makes separate. So, so if you come from two completely different foundations, yeah. well, of course we're not going to agree on how right. people should yeah, be handled. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's good. Well, that's this is this is a good talk, everybody. Yeah, yeah really good talk, glad. good talk. All right. Well, thank you, those of you listening, and we will catch you next time on Understanding Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.